Welcome back to another episode of Let's Face the Facts. I'm your host. My name is David Almeida. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I sit down with an actor or artist friend. We watch an episode of the classic sitcom The Facts of Life, and then we hit record and talk about the show and anything and everything else we can think of. Um, You might notice a little slight difference in sound quality here. I am in the Villages right now. The Villages is a uh, retirement community in Florida, and they have a very lovely professional theater up here, and I was lucky enough to be cast in a show up here. So I am technically working out of town, and uh, I'm on a little bit of a deadline, so I thought maybe I would try to record it here in the middle of an insanely echoey, noisy diner. Um, I just had the chicken and waffles. I am planning to start my diet very, very soon. Anyway, this week, my guest is Laura Hodos. Ah, Laura Hodos. You say her name to anyone who performs in Central Florida, and the automatic response will be, oh my God, I love Laura so much. And after you listen to this episode, you will absolutely agree with those people and you will understand why. This is a little bit of a long episode and uh, I'm not apologizing for it because she and I do some deep diving about musical theater, about sweet foods, about pizza. This is, this is the really important shit, people. So we, we get into it without any further ado. The musical theater expertise of Laura Hodos will be blessing us in this, a musical theater episode of The Facts of Life. So let's jump on in. Let's face the facts with Laura Hodos. Welcome, Laura Hodos. Thank you so much, David Almeida. I'm so excited you're here. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, you came into the house and you proceeded... To sing the praises of everything in my home. It's just gorgeous, honestly. People who love my home make me so happy. I love it so much. I'm missing the interior decoration gene. I don't have it. Yeah. And so my house looks still like slightly post-college dorm it's just it's just literally a collection of things that i like and have have like picked up yeah all over and so i'm like this has no cohesion you have your this end up furniture made from old crates <laughs> to be fair the furniture is actually nice we did we did do that but like when it comes to knickknacks it's like yeah. i got this in japan i got this in canada i got this when yeah. i'm in california and so it's nothing really has any um particular like, um, like you say, cohesion. Yeah, there's and no, connection. there's no unifying theme. Yeah, it's all stuff I like. And I guess rem- that's the unifying theme. Well, remember, global was the big thing back in what the late '90s, around the turn of the millennium. The so global. Can look. I be like, I'm just throwing it back to global? Yeah, I, th- I think, <laughs> and I think that therefore makes it retro now. So you're retro global. I'm retro that's your style. global. I, I didn't even know. <laughs> I look at like Real Simple magazine, and I'm like, oh, that looks so good. Yeah. Man, I'll never do that. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm honestly, I've lived here 21 years. It took me this long and uh, a renovation of a lot of Massive money. proportion. Uh, I, I redid like my amazing... kitchen uh, about a year and a half ago. Gorgeous. And, and it's, go- that backsplash is everything to me. It, it is, yeah. Oh, it makes time. me happy at the core of my soul. I so it was that. well worth it. But it took me forever to be like, oh, I like mid-century modern. Do That's you have thing. a double oven? 
Yes, I do. I'm, I'm coming over. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm moving you, in. You are a fellow oh bake bakeress. <gasps> you yeah. love to bake. I do love to bake. I, I have um, brownies that I am well known for. No, and they're the best brownies. They are so my good. sea salt caramel chocolate peanut butter they're brownies. They're just ridiculous. They're so good. But it's, honestly, it's because it's all the flash and all the stuff in them. You have the famous Laura Hodos brownies. Well, they I love them and they are delicious, but they are also like, they're just, the, they're the standard. They're, they're a like, staple. They are. They are because they are just straight up brownies, but they are so damn fudgy and but delicious and amazing. That's the thing I think that you and I understand about brownies is like dry brownies should not be a thing. No. Cakey brownies should not be a thing. Hells Don't no. call them brownies. Just no. stop it. Stop <laughs> lying to the universe. We won't have it. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so we we love our sugar. <sighs> that we do. We will we'll be in wheelchairs, missing feet <laughs> when we're in our old age. <laughs> nah, it'll be worth it. When you're playing Madame Armfelt and <laughs> a little light music, that's the role you right. aspire to. Right. Liaisons. <laughs> What's happened to my feet? Liaisons today. Diabetes is nothing to joke about, people. No, no and it's I apologize not. profusely yes, for that. We are not. Laura and I have just watched The Facts of Life, episode, uh, season three, episode 12, entitled Green-Eyed Monster. And I specifically, I, I hoped to coordinate you with this episode. Yay! Because, Laura, you are kind of, um, in, in the same way, jealousy is a green-eyed monster. You, Laura Hodos, are a brown-eyed musical theater monster. <gasps> what? I'm a monster. In central Florida, when it comes to musical theater... You are one of the go-to names when anybody thinks about that as an art form. You know that that is going on the front page of my website from now on as the best quote pretty much ever. Well, it's... I'm taking it. It's just you because you are you are not just an extraordinary singer. You are also... You are, you are the full package because you also act and you are also naturally funny. And you also improvise and play and... Um, I, I have never not enjoyed you in anything you have done. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I, I have not enjoyed some of the productions you've been in, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I have never not enjoyed you. That's so. I think about that too, because I always try to separate. I'm like, do I not like this show or do I not like these performances? And most of the time in Central Florida, I will say, I just don't like this show. Mm-hmm. It's just not for me. But I, yeah. a lot of times, like I felt that when I saw Spring Awakening on the Broadway. On the Broadway. On the Broadway. Yeah. I said, this show touches me not at all. I don't care, but mm-hmm. hot dang, there is some talent up on that stage and they are putting everything out there. Uh, yeah. And so I can appreciate that and be like, yeah, sure. But I'm like, that show, mm, not so yeah. much. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. But yes, yeah. right on, on the top 10 Musicals that made me ugly cry. No, Spring Awakening <laughs> would not, not be one it is of them. Not up there. Little, so, taking musical theater and bringing it back to the subject at hand. Yes, Laura Hodos, have you ever played the role of Nellie Forbush in South Pacific? I have never played the role mm. of Nellie Forbush. Have you ever wanted to? I oh, I would love to. Um, I have never done a Rodgers and Hammerstein show. <gasps> I know. How has this person never been Ado Annie? Is a question yeah. for the ages. Wow. I was called back for one Rodgers and Hammerstein show ever. It was The King and I, and I was called back for Lady Tiang. <laughs> yep, because that's so perfect. Yellow face. <laughs> Hello, Mrs. Anna. <laughs> Can you You're bringing the books for us to lead? <laughs> it's, oh my God. 
dogs. Didn't so, get so it, which is probably all for the for, better. All for the better. Um, but yeah, I've done. I'm working on my thirteenth Sondheim. Wow. Five of them are company. Five of oh, them. Shit. Right. I have never done Rodgers and Hammerstein. Did, did you not even do one of the reviews like at Winter Park None. Playhouse? You've never, never done, done Grand, Grand Night. Grand mm-hmm. Night for singing. I've had callbacks for Grand Night. Uh, didn't get that either. Wow. Uh, weird. And never. I did. Well, this this is less of a shocking thing. I've never done Shakespeare. Not even like in high school. Not or even whatever. in school. Not even in school. Oh, not even wow. whatever. Never done a Shakespeare. How is that possible? Th- thank you. I don't get it the at same all. Same thing, but wow. Yep. Huh. And yet you are still a musical theater powerhouse. <laughs> so, yeah, I would love, to note to anyone listening, I would love to play Nellie Forbush so much. And you are, so what, 25 years younger than Glenn Close was when right? she did it in the TV, the awful TV movie I never version. have seen it. <gasps> I never have I, seen it. I can it. fix you up. <gasps> yes, it's please. bad. So uh, let's start the show as I always like to do and ask you, what is your relationship with the facts of life? Did you watch the show? Is it important to you? Um, I, I'm, I'm sure that I watched the show at some point. I uh, can't say that I was a devotee, but I'm sure that I, I know I have seen other episodes other than this. When and where I watched them, unsure to be honest. Uh, because they were in reruns. and yeah. they get, They're still in reruns now. Yeah, when you as channels. they should be. As damn well as they, they should be. As they should be. Um, I will say, though, probably because I did a show uh, over at um, the Straz that was all television theme songs. So I believe I've sung the song <laughs> uh, along Amazing. with some very random other TV theme songs that you're like, this is a thing. I also, by the way, P.S. sang the theme song to the Jeffersons. So take that as you <gasps> will. Sure. You know. I... Wow. <laughs> so before we begin, I do need to get mm. our tiny short synopsis where I ask my guest, Laura, would you please provide a one to two sentence, very abbreviated synopsis, similar to like you might find in a TV guide listing? Yes. Green-Eyed Monster is when the students of Eastland are putting on, um, not the sound of music. The South of... <laughs> The South of Pacific. Did you say TV Guide? Okay. <laughs> Green Eyed Monster is when the students of Eastland are putting on a production of South Pacific and um, Tootie. And no, I shouldn't even say that. I feel like I'm giving it away, but I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. This is, this is so good. comedy gold, girl. So Green Eyed Monster is... This is great outtakes. We're going to... This is great. <laughs> yeah, we'll Green Eyed Monster is when the students of Eastland are putting on a production of South Pacific and Tootie and Natalie are both vying for the lead. And one gets it, one doesn't. There is jealousy. There is intrigue. There is backstabbing. There are coconuts. Uh, Everything happens. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> and no spoilers. And you included the coconuts. I am impressed. <laughs> well. I am very impressed. Okay. So the very first uh, scene begins, as many of these episodes do, with activity. Things are happening. And for some reason, um, we, we later discover Eastland has a theater that we've never seen before. Never seen. And it's directly, like, next to... They're, they, they have a rehearsal hall, they have a theater, and it looks like it's just a stone's throw away from the kitchen because Mrs. Garrett is already in her apron, uh, or I, still. I, I, yeah, we, we don't know what the geography of Eastland is. 
It's huge, but, though. But clearly, even though we don't know how many girls go there. And they didn't have a library, but they do have a theater. <laughs> so that'll work. You listened to the Trinell episode <laughs> Listen, last week. Listen, if Trinell does anything, I want to see it, hear it, be a part of it, because she's amazing. As I, I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Mrs. Garrett is much more involved in this production of South Pacific <laughs> that we learn is going on, much more than one would expect a dietitian <laughs> to be. She is always there, always. She's, you know, taking down people's requests for roles in the show, which, uh, by the way, is that a thing? Because I haven't done that. Yeah. And apparently I didn't know that you could. Request. <laughs> like, oh, I'd like to request a role, please? <laughs> so even though there is this theater that we later are introduced to, mm. where the rehearsals are happening, mm-hmm. that has a full stage, a- an upright piano, and a backstage area. And, and, a, and a set building, like a set building area too, where she's painting, where Blair yeah, like a, like is a painting shop. palm trees. Yeah, like a, like a scene shop. A scene shop. As well as, at one point, Mrs. Garrett says, uh, come on, Joe, let's bring this rack over to the costume department. <laughs> like, you and, have a costume department? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, wow. So these are pretty impressive facilities, but at a private girl's school, sure. Yeah. Of course you would do that. Therefore, one does have to question why were the auditions for this show held in the cafe of fucking Tyria <laughs> where they had to put tables and chairs on top of tables to get them out of the way and roll in that upright piano and, yeah they had to roll the piano across campus or next door we don't or know or next door we're unsure maybe they had more than one piano but to me it looked like the same piano it was probably the same piano yeah. but of of the many questions that sitcoms bring to the brain you're like why are we here well because it's it, this is the facts of life and we do shit in the cafeteria that's right they seem they seem to actually do quite a lot in that in that cafeteria everything, everything happens there yes well mrs garrett is kind of helping to the activity of we need to clear this way and get things ready mm. for this audition. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mrs. Garrett, I'm on board. They've asked you to, okay, the backstory, the, the precipitating event mm-hmm. is they've asked you, can we use the cafeteria for these auditions? Of course, and she is taking charge. That's wonderful. In the course of her <laughs> doing it, she says, um, and remember, you get to do your bad Mrs. Garrett impression at oh. any point when you are ready, when you uh, It's so bad. I'm just prepping for it. Okay, it's good. It's going to be so bad. But she says, maybe I missed my calling. <laughs> I should have tried out for the great white way. And you're, of course, you're like, because, you know, yeah, I, I should have auditioned for a Broadway show. Like you do. When <laughs> like you, th- you do. When you think you might want to dabble. <laughs> It's, but that's where we found our, our very first Ethel Merman reference when she sings There's No Business Like Show Business. Yeah. And I was, of course, I'm always yeah. happy to see a nice Ethel Merman reference, except she did it as though Ethel Merman were Norma Desmond, uh, I was which say, I also sings. appreciate. Yeah, I was going to say, Laura, use the word sings, and I think that's a very strong did word. Did you not hear the air quotes? So oh, I'm sorry. I should, have made, I should have done the air quotes louder. Uh, got it, got it. Audio air quotes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Trademark of Let's Face the Facts. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, she doesn't sing it. So clearly they um they probably didn't want to pay they're they're paying a lot of money to Rogers and Hammerstein. Oh, I can imagine that that must be some enchanted evening. Must have been yeah. And 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 wash that man. We have two oh, right. we have two songs from South Pacific. Yeah. That shit is not cheap. That's like tens of thousands of dollars, yeah. I think, when yeah. you're talking a TV show. So they were not gonna pay no damn money to Irving Berlin. Right. To be like, so, thank you, no. Yeah, so Mrs. Garrett's like in getting swept up in the moment, she starts going and punching our <laughs> there's no 
business-like show, business-like no, business. And then Natalie interrupts with, I know. <laughs> Which is so perfect. And nobody laughed at it because only musical theater people get that that we is did. a brilliant joke. We laughed. We laughed. We loved it. But that's the lyrics to the song. But Natalie, not knowing she was stating and continuing the lyrics, said, I know. And my mother's been wanting me to try out and blah, blah, blah. Um, so it... And the lady doth protest too much, me thinks. Doesn't. Uh, does, yes, mm. indeed. And Mrs. Garrett says, well, um, something comes up about Natalie going out for the lead. And Natalie's like, the lead? I don't want that. And then... Um, then among the activity, more girls come in. Mm. And how many girls would you say were in the room at this time? I, uh, about 12. I'd say about a dozen, about too. About a dozen, yeah. yeah. Um, and they were, we're, you you listened to last week's show, so you know we're on Blue Blazer Alert. We are on Blue Blazer Alert. I'm, I'm not going to lie, Laura. I am afraid that I'm going to look back and find that there never, ever was a maroon <gasps> blazer, that they've always only worn blue blazers. No, I'm pretty sure there were... Maroon I have blazers. to look, but the fact that Blair's Blue Blazer, which, <laughs> as I've said, is my upcoming children's book. Perfect. <laughs> it reappears again this episode, and there is no maroon blazer anywhere, and the other girls are only in the blue cardigans or the maroon vests. That's it. So then 2D and a bunch of the other girls come in. We already, I think we already said that. 2D and the, a bunch of the girls come in. About a dozen. And yeah. about a dozen of them or so. But Tootie and Natalie had a whole conversation about how Natalie was so nervous. And Tootie's like, you're going to be great. I'm not auditioning. I'm going to, but you were so great. And, and Tootie's like, I was great, but I have too much studying to do. And Natalie's like, well, I'm auditioning. And she's like, I'm here for moral support. Yeah. And, and I'm nervous, so I want to drink some milk. And she's like, oh, don't drink milk. It causes phlegm. Then I'm uh, going to eat a cookie. No, no, no sugar. Sugar no. clogs up your pipes, which yeah. I've never fucking heard of in my life. No, never. Um, and she was like, no chocolate. No chocolate. Like, what's the point of even living? <laughs> I'm I'm quitting the industry today if I get. If there's a chocolate. no chocolate rule, <laughs> terrible. But the um, but the deal is, we talked about that there are never fat jokes for Natalie. But boy, yes. Natalie, food always the food references. Yes. That's their little workaround, their mm-hmm. little loophole. Um. Now, when Tootie and company come in, I do have to back up for one moment. Oh yeah, Tootie's hair. You asked me. I believe at one point you asked me, is that her real hair? Yeah. That is her real hair. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the first time we've ever seen her hair in this hairstyle. Ah, yes. In seasons one and two, it was always in the two ponytails with the bangs. Yeah. Um, The only time in season three it was down was when she was dressed like Diana Ross for the costume party where Natalie is almost, is attacked and almost raped. Um. So that's oh, that the only lighthearted time. jaunt, right, right, right. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was hilarious. Um, so then this season, though, season three was where we started having the single ponytail on the top of the head mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with some length in the back and bangs in the front. Mm-hmm. I think this is that same haircut. It's just it's not pulled back anymore. So now we just have this singular bowl penis head it's shape. Just. It, and she has to fuss with it all the time because it's been relaxed and straightened to within an inch of its life so that every time she walks, it kind of flies around. Yeah. And she's always fixing it. Like and having I'm to thought, t- pot, pat herself on yes. the head. Because it's flying around. It's like, you, you couldn't spray some and it hairspray. Looks, it looks so silky and lovely, but still you're like, wow, that's just a lot of work. 
what I it's almost it's very like Vidal you know that Vidal Sassoon kind of hair Mm -hmm. except like it was literally every time she walked it would fly up and you're like that's a lot of maintenance work to keep your hair down and and funny you mentioned that because they do make a reference to sassooning that's in the right episode later, that's right because vidal sassoon hair products were so big in 1982 oh, that was a big yes. thing so um last costume note oh yeah some of the girls are in their gym clothes yes. which inexplicably uh, are navy blue and yellow why is that i thought the eastland colors were royal blue and maroon but clearly not the only thing I can say that is good is that those have been around since season one mm-hmm. and they have stuck with them. So we will give them points for consistency. So they got a discount on that fabric at the very <laughs> beginning and they're like, whatever. It's just here it is. It's already paid for. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, so in with the girls comes Mrs. Downs. Mrs. Downs. What a weird name to call a character, especially when there is a uh, disease. <laughs> Yes. When there is a, a genetic <laughs> disease called Down syndrome. And isn't this the first show that had a character Jerry with she had Down no, syndrome? No, she had she had cerebral palsy. She had, okay, right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, I think Downs yeah. I, I think when it came and it's weird, am I crazy in our life? At one time wasn't it Down's apostrophe S Oh, syndrome? I thought it was. Is it not? I, I see other things where it just says down. Syndrome, oh. or someone referring to a down baby. I did not know that. See, I thought now, it was apostrophe S too. Okay. I could be wrong. I will look it up and verify. The only thing I can think is she was Miss Downs because she literally had not one positive thing to say <laughs> about anyone's <laughs> performance at uh, any point in this episode. Yeah. You're just like, you're like, oh, you're <clears throat> directing this show, but you're actually a frustrated actor. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Done. <laughs> Done. There it is. And the, the character actress who plays Mrs. Downs is the brilliant and amazing Hazel Shermit. You we, just don't meet enough Hazels anymore. The, what a beautiful name I for a character it. actress, Hazel Shermit. Hazel like 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 Shermit. Mary Wicks, the same yes. thing. There's you're you're never gonna see that above the title. Right. <laughs> and and honestly, we're never gonna see your face above the title. <laughs> so embrace it work with it make it work for you and she did and she did it she did all the way to the bank with uh, her episode too i'm sure this is the second episode she's appeared on you realize i did not realize hazel Shermit was previously seen in season two oh. shoplifting she was the snooty <gasps> sales clerk a different oh. character same actress what she is kind of killing it yeah and well, she was only sales clerking in order to pay for her um, master's in directing. In, in so theater that she could, directing that's for right. whatever. That's and right. then she married because they did call her Mrs. Downs. Maybe, yeah, she was single when she worked at Harrison's department mm-hmm, store. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. It could be the same person. Yeah, um, always possible. <laughs> but she's got that wonderful voice. I, I said before, it was like, it's like one of those great operator voices. Like, um, deposit 35 cents for another five minutes, please. <laughs> So Hazel Shermit comes in, and she is clearly running the show. And she's like, all right, we're going to position this over here, and we're going to, we are going to be sitting. And Mrs. Garrett points in a direction, and as though it was her own idea, Miss, <laughs> Miss Downs, there. Mrs. Downs. Do they, is it Mrs. Downs or Miss? It might be Miss. I heard Miss, but I didn't pay a lot of attention. I am wrong. It was Miss Downs. Miss Downs. We, we just verified that. So she is a single lady. All the single ladies. All, All the, the single, single ladies. And, um, oh, I should have spoken that so you didn't have to pay her the rights. I apologize. So, damn it. I owe $50,000 to, <laughs> to Beyonce, Beyonce now. <laughs> Man. Um, 
but uh, when when she comes in and starts like, let's do this, Mrs. Garrett quickly falls into the role of the sycophantic assistant. Yes. Where it's like, all right, we're ready for audition. Yes, Miss Downs. Now we're going to put the piano over here. Yes, Miss Downs. And I think that we should sit somewhere over... She points over there. Yes, she suddenly is... She's got her pad of paper and Miss Downs is handing her things without looking her in the she's eye. She's acting like the PA intern. And uh, we're like, you're Edna Garrett. And this is your fucking cafeteria, yes. bitch. Why Hold are it. you being so subservient? Yeah, and your hair is... Diff- Defying gravity this episode. <laughs> Don't sing that. Don't sing that. No. <laughs> Stephen Schwartz doesn't eat any of your money. Uh, I have no voice to sing. Then we have the exchange with Natalie and Tootie about uh, Natalie's auditioning. Yep. Tootie is not. Right. Uh, Nancy is there. This is, I believe, the final appearance of Nancy, the last vestige of season one. This is Nancy, the one who's like, Tootie, why aren't you auditioning? The dark haired one? Yeah. That's the dark haired okay. one. This show really I never needs her you. Name. Yeah. That's yeah. Nancy. Got it. And she actually says, I've told you, Nancy, I can't like they make sure to say this yes. is Nancy. Remember? Remember, Nancy? Yeah. She's fucking out of here. Gone. She's <laughs> Nancy so started getting too many lines and we have to let her go. <laughs> but the thing is, when they need extra characters that are not the four girls. Right. That's where they brought them back and effectively used them. Yeah. Season one, it was just such a clusterfuck. Of, of so many people. Too many, too many bodies. Um, so... Uh, when it comes down to the play needs you, uh, is it Tootie that says, that's fine. Well, can I help it if my reviews have said that I'm breathtaking, that I'm <laughs> fabulous, whatever? And Natalie says, well, yeah, I, I can believe it because I wrote them. Natalie is the editor of the school paper. That is a consistent mm. through line of Natalie being a writer. Good. Um, and the fact that Tootie has allegedly been... Both uh, Annie Oakley and Annie Get Your Gun. Which is our second Ethel Merman reference. Yes. Which I love. And she's also been Blanche Dubois in a streetcar <laughs> named Desire. Which is the most perfect. The most <laughs> perfect. I've always depended on the kindness of strangers. This is where the writers in the writer's room were like, what's the name of a play? What's the name <laughs> right. of a role a girl could play in a play? Except I feel like they went like full movie camp with like with her singing losing my mind or like what's the most inappropriate thing oh for <laughs> for a you know high school student to play in high school I, you see yeah that didn't that didn't take it that far and again oh, yeah. the audiences aren't sophisticated enough to really True. get it but um but yeah and i mean i guess you could say okay bravo eastland for your colorblind casting yes but i <laughs> i just want to <laughs> see i want to see an african-american annie oakley Yes, like so great. Like the Seminole Navajo <laughs> Kickapoo, like those Indians. I'm an engine too. A zoo. Uh, no see, cultural appropriation at all. In yeah, that. but to to see, uh, uh, oh my god, and the fact that the the opening number of Annie Get Your Gun, the old version, is. Uh, Colonel Buffalo Bill, and it's telling the story of how these wild, savage Indians <laughs> attack a stagecoach, and the hero of the story is Colonel Buffalo Bill. But the way they talk about uh, the Indians, Indians, and the, the 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 rhyme is very notable: cut your throatable Indians. Like, <laughs> these savages just fucking kill you. And then Tootie shows up. And then. And then <laughs> The fact that the show portrays them so negatively, so savage and so 
whatever. And it's like, uh, yeah, they'll fucking kill you. You stole their land, yeah. dumbass. Kicked him out, put him on reservations. This is I, not okay. I, you I, brought I, pestilence to their land. They gave you corn. Yeah. <laughs> I would scalp you myself if I were there. Right. Um, but just to then, and then have all of that awfulness, and then to have a black Annie Oakley come out <laughs> doing a what comes naturally. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I would love to see that production. And, Listen, and, we can make that happen. Yeah, and and who played the Indians, by the way? Which which of the white girls in this school? Oh my, yes. would have had the the black braids and the. <laughs> <laughs> I think the answer is there's a dozen of them. It would be all of them. It would actually. be all it would have of to be them. all of them. Yeah, uh, true, very true. Um, and then after this exchange with Natalie and Tootie, wonderful sitcom trope. Uh, Mrs. Garrett somehow is now in charge of the auditions <laughs> yes, and standing in the is. middle of the room with her pad full of papers that Miss Downs has thrown at her. All right, girls, uh, hold it down. We're about to get started. <laughs> no one was making any noise. No, no, it no. was literally silent. <laughs> it hold it down. Just her. Shh, Laura, shh. Quiet, Laura, I need you to be quiet. But, shh. It's like I'm back in high school all over again. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It's so great. Um, um, Maybe Mrs. Garrett just hears the voices in her head. <laughs> would you be surprised? I don't know that I no, would. Not in the least. Mm, not in mm, the least. Mm. Um, so then, Natalie is called up first. First. Dead first. For someone who's nervous. How can that be? Yeah. That's the worst feeling in the it world. Is. So then after the audition, as you mentioned earlier, mm. this this interesting uh, situation of, all right, now you finish singing. And, and she, by the way, competently carries... I'm going to wash that. Kind of killed right it, to be fair. Like, hair. I thought she did a really good job. For high school, she did a really good yeah. job. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, go over and, again, Miss Downs, bark in the orders. Go tell Mrs. Garrett what parts you want to play. What what roles, I guess, you want us to consider you for. Right. Except she did say what, didn't she say what parts you want? Maybe. Because that's what I want in my life. And yeah. so Natalie goes over and she's like, I want to play Nellie Forbush. And Miss Garrett writes it down. She's and like, says, and, and, and she's like, no, I just want to play Nellie Forbush. Yeah. I'm not saying that I identify with that. I'm just going to leave that there <laughs> as it is. Whatever. That's fine. Why, why is your eye twitching? Laura? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say as a, as a peek behind the curtain to the acting world, mm. in certain productions, uh, there, it has been said. What role do you want us to consider you for? Yeah. And it yeah. does say if we do not cast you in the role, are you willing to accept any role? Any role, right. including ensemble. Right. And uh, a good theater company mm-hmm. understands that there are those of us who, in certain circumstances, might be like, okay, this theater is an hour away from my house. Mm-hmm. If um, if I'm driving an hour to play Alban in La Cajo Fall. That's worth it to me. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a community production that I'm not getting paid for, that would be worth it. Right. But to say, I want you to play the fisherman or the the, the stage manager with the broken arm. Oh my gosh. You right. know what I mean? I was dating Hannah. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm engaged to Hannah. Oh, That's right, a great right. running gag. God. It really is. Um, but, but I can the, see where that would be like, not really yeah, willing to accept I, any role. I have absolutely written on the thing saying, no, thank you. Right. As in, it's literally just one of those. And you don't even have to explain it. You don't have right. to, just, it's like, right. they, they get, we all have our reasons. And sometimes it's sure. just like, I just want the fucking lead. And if I don't get it, I'll, I'll find something right. else to or do. Or I've already, I've already done this show in everything but the role that I really want. Yeah. So thank you so much. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. So, um, but, but Natalie, Natalie is at the very beginning of her career. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow, she and, is laying it out. And um, as far as the consistency of the other characters, 
Um, Natalie's the writer. Mm-hmm. Tootie is the actress. Natalie, I'm not sure we ever really had her showing any aspirations to be a performer. Mm-mm. She sang, spoke one of her songs that she wrote lyrics for mm-hmm. with Mrs. Garrett's uh, deadbeat guitar traveling son in an earlier episode. But that's not, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure this is as consistent with her character. Oh, and we haven't even covered, God, this is going to take us forever because there's so much to talk about, Laura. No. At the beginning of the show, not only are auditions happening at the cafeteria, right. not in the theater, Blair is painting a set piece. You know, before the auditions even start. In the cafeteria where <laughs> the, the show cafeteria. is not going to be happening. Right? What the shit? Why is she doing that there? Uh, <laughs> well, isn't they need that jokes. like isn't that some sort of cross contamination? I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to do that <laughs> in where there's food service, paint fumes, and yeah, right. And sure, I mean, come on, that's is that lead based paint? Like, um, what are we looking at? <laughs> they didn't have low VOC back. No, then. she doesn't even have a window open. She no. has nothing. <laughs> There's not a fan there. I mean, granted, she's swishing her hair back and forth, so that kind of makes like a little a breeze. That's but... a little bit of a fan, yeah. Um, but yeah, this this they need some jokes here because it does come into play later that Blair is painting the sets, and not completely inconsistent with Blair's character, right? Because Blair has done art shows before yep. and won awards for her art and her painting. Though we've never really actually seen her. This is the first time we've kind of seen her painting. Um, but one does wonder where she finds the time to be the set painter <laughs> for the show when we know that she, as I have stated a kabillion times before, she's on the debate team with Bink Parker. He's such a weenie. Mm-hmm. We know that she is allegedly helping to run this suicide hotline that they started up after that girl killed herself. Right, right. Um, we know that she is helping her three friends feed an entire school full of girls three meals every goddamn day. right. We know she's that she, building a library, unless that's done. Yeah, she's building the library, absolutely. And um, and there's there's something else in there too. I mean, and then there's the, how much time does it take her to do her hair? That's Honestly, a career. That it should be because it's got to be ages. But yeah, and then and that blue eyeshadow. You think that goes on like just overnight? <laughs> no, you have to apply. Layers. You have to smooth. You have to. Well, you have to blend, but she doesn't really blend. But she should blend. But that's the story it, for it another time. It was the eighties. Blending didn't exist. No, it didn't. In the eighties, no. No. Um, and then let's. Uh, we'll get to Mrs. Garrett in a little bit because yes. we're gonna we're gonna have to. We got some stuff to shit on there too. There's a full deconstruction. <laughs> anyway. Um, no sooner does Natalie say, nope, I want Nellie Forbush and I want nothing else. And I have defied the fates. Every time I want something, not sure the show has consistently demonstrated this, mm-hmm. Natalie, but every time I want something, the fates always conspire against me. So I did not put it out there karmically into the universe that I want this role. I fooled everyone. And now I'm going to get the lead. And then you hear, oompa, oompa, and Tootie is suddenly auditioning. Right. I'm gonna wash that man right out of my hair. In my opinion, her audition, not as strong no. as Natalie's. Her voice, no. not as strong. No. I think there's a little bit of like, well, since she's our star. Uh-huh. Uh, let's just talk for a minute about the the gal playing the piano, Brenda. We Go never see her. We never get to see her face. Wait, like wait. we see a good, we see a good, um, sad Silhouette. Profile. Profile, yep. but like the poor woman, she never, and you you see her silhouette later on once when a coconut rolls by, <laughs> but like the poor thing, she's killing it on the piano. She's yep. the one with who actually has some talent <laughs> and you never get to see her face. Bless. 
And you're like, was that another, like, was that another rider to a contract? Like, I don't want to see her. Yeah. I don't want to see her face. Yeah. That it's, would be hilarious. No redheads and, and no face of Brenda. No, no redheads and no piano playing broads with faces. Right? We won't have it. <laughs> so the scene ends. That's where the scene ends. Yep. Where suddenly it's like, well, fuck. Suddenly tootie. <laughs> suddenly tootie. And um, so then from there we dissolve to a close up of... Um, a, a small mountain of Oreo cookies. <laughs> mm, I, just a I, full family size package. That's all. I that that someone took the care to pull out of the package mm. and stack on and a like plate. literally pyramided quite nicely. Uh, it's yeah one of those like that. I mean, I I just eat them straight out of the bag when I'm when I'm emotionally eating. Right. You eat them out of the bag. No one takes the time to put them on a plate nicely like that. Natalie is kind of overachieving (laughs) on her placement of Oreos. I mean, if I'm entertaining a bunch of swanky guests, then you stack your Oreos. I'll stack my. That's right. I might even spray some whipped cream on them, like Laverne and Shirley. What? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah but do you remember so, Laverne and Shirley did that? That was that I don't was, remember. That's but that, that, those are hors d'oeuvres for them when they're having. That's a fancy hilarious. Party, I, now it? I'm, I'm going to have to try it. And then the other question is, if that platter of Oreos is so perfectly round and finished looking, what has she already eaten? Yeah. And Mrs. Garrett says, like, take it easy on the Oreos. It's like, well, shit. I mean, she said, I'm already full. I'm like, what? What? What, what did you have before the Oreos? Was that? Was there a platter? Was there pizza? I hope there was pizza. <laughs> There was a platter before this. <laughs> yes, that was the golden Oreos. You notice, however, that they were not double stuff, and I just kind of think Natalie's wasting her time there. No. Because they're not double stuff. Did double stuff exist in 1982? I don't know. Laura Hodos. These are, these are the questions we the, that try men's souls. Uh, what? She had choices. Bam. Double stuff Oreos were introduced in 1975. We just confirmed it. Wow. So obviously either Mrs. Garrett doesn't understand the joy of a good double stuffed Oreo Damn. and doesn't keep them in her in her dietitian's kitchen, or Natalie is making poor choices. Yeah, because yeah, if you're not double stuffing it, honestly, why bother? Why bother? <laughs> oh my gosh, I just noticed that that plate also has a doily on it. Like, oh my God, she totally did. She's, there's doily and perfectly pyramided Oreos. I'm on Natalie that plate. Green, and I'm worth it. She, <laughs> it's like that's right. She's like I'm laying. I'm I'm making an event of my emotional eating. And her and her cup is opaque, so we can't tell if it's milk or something gin else or, or gin. It could be. I maybe. mean, you would expect it to be milk, but considering there's you know when she reaches for the milk earlier, yeah. That's uh, curious. We do have to stop here for a very, very important update. We do have the carnival tiger with the sombrero in the corner on the in the window bay. So to try and comfort Natalie, Mrs. Garrett says, You know, they say there's a broken heart for every light on Broadway. Um, there are so many good actors out there who don't get parts, whatever, and Natalie says, I don't want to be a good actress. I want, <laughs> I to, be want a- to be a star. <laughs> I love that line. I think that's so great. And that's so not Natalie, though. That's, you know, you would think yeah. Blair would want to right. do it. And um, you would think Blair would be the one that would be the attention whore. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure what Natalie's end game was here. Other than she just wanted to be the... It would be one thing if she was like... I love this play because the play is about prejudice. Right. We, we won't even discuss the fact that a, a black Nellie Forbush is really wrong. 
very, very inconsistent with the rest of the story yeah. and the meaning that is trying to be put across. Yeah. For those who don't know South Pacific, the the basic story, the love story in it is Nellie Forbush, the female character, falls in love with Emile Dubeck, a Frenchman who fought in the war. And in the course of falling in love with him and uh, getting to know him, realizes that he is a widower and his wife had been Polynesian, where they live, the South Pacific. So he has two children who are half French and half Polynesian, and they are clearly biracial children. And Nellie, being a corn-fed gal from the Midwest, has trouble and has to grapple with this. And through the course of the play, and we're, we're going to get into this shit too, where the plot of this is so messed up and out of order when we're rehearsing the song. But so the character of Nellie Forbush has got to be a white woman grappling with her own internalized racism. Mm -hmm. But you're like, how can Nellie Forbush not be, not be, a, uh, how could she be a person of color? How yeah, could that, it how, is I don't so, know how that would work. That's, that's not a colorblind casting right. decision that makes any sense. Right. And, um, we we still we we haven't even answered the basic question of who is Emile Dubeck in this show? Who is Lieutenant Cable? Who are who are going to play the boys? Yeah. The, who is going to be the chorus of sailors singing? There is nothing. Is there a Westman like, college there's, for the boys? Well, I mean, there's Bates, but yeah. it's like, so do they have separate auditions for the boys? Are they going to be doing a joint? There's no talk yeah. of a joint production. Maybe they're going to like do one of those things where they rehearse it completely separately and only come together on opening night oh. and see and watch the hilarity ensue. <laughs> that would be amazing. But you you have an entire, there is nothing like a dame, <laughs> nothing in the world. Or they're going to do what have every a, single high school has done since the beginning of time, <laughs> and those girls are going to be boys. <laughs> oh, because in, in, in usually in schools and community theater, mm. the ratio of girls to boys is about 40 kabillion to one. Truth. Truth. Yeah. And... um. Yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. But they never address it. They no. act like they they're acting like this is some type of a all an all female South <laughs> I'd pay to see that show. Well, I would I would pay money. Um it's like it's like you could do I've seen Sound of Music with seven von Trapp daughters. <laughs> all daughters all the I, time. I I think all yeah, like they literally had two boys. One of them had to be the captain, and one of them had to be Rolf. Yeah. For 16 going on 17. I think Franz the butler was a maid. I think Herr Zeller was a, a female Nazi. That's amazing. It was like it was like a middle school production. It was so yes. crazy. Um, Listen, anything that gives women more opportunities in the theater, I'm all on board for that. Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Even yeah. when it comes to that. So then Tootie comes into the bedroom. Yes, and she does. They basically, we think, kind of wrap it up. And it's like, you know, I thought you, I didn't know it was that important to you, Natalie. Well, I didn't tell anybody. Well, then how could I have known? And she's like, well, why did you audition? The girls were practically forcing me to and pushed me up there. It, so they were just like, well, this is just a great big misunderstanding. Isn't that great? Yep. And Tootie <laughs> says, well, what can I do to, to help you? And <laughs> Natalie says, quit the play. I quit the play. And at which point, uh, 2D says, if you were 
And she's like, are you, 2D says, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> her eyes were saying that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Her eyes were saying that completely. Natalie says. She's like, is there anything else I can do? Yeah. Okay. Other than that. So she says, um, Natalie says, if you were really my friend. Again, I don't know why this is so. They really could have helped us to better understand why it was so important yes. to Natalie. Right. Um, but she says, if you were my friend, you would quit. And Tootie says, if you were my friend, you wouldn't ask me to. Dun, dun, dun. Conflict. Conflict. Freeze. Stay in a position. Can applause. Yes. Station break for your hemorrhoid commercials. <laughs> and then we go to commercial. So when we go to commercial, Laura. Yes. You may already know. This I... is the getting to know you section of yes, my show. I'm ready. You are ready? Yes. All right. Where were you born? I was born in New York City. Okay. On the Upper West Side. But you grew up in New I Jersey? I grew up in northern New Jersey, Montvale, New Jersey, Bergen County. Uh-huh. Jersey girl. That's right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, where did you study and what brought you to Orlando? I studied, let's see, I went to Dickinson College in Carlisle, Pennsylvania because I was going to be a lawyer. Okay. And like then, you do. Like you do. Uh, I actually didn't want to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a judge because I have an unreasonable sense of fairness. Okay. So I was I'm, already, like, I was, totally I was on you. that path of, like, Supreme Court justice. I'm... So ready. I, I wish you when had. When I see things like Brett Kavanaugh, I'm like, boy, maybe I should have done that. Yeah. Wow. Um, but there you go. Then, uh, but then I decided about my sophomore year that I wasn't going to be a lawyer. I was going to be an actor. Uh-huh. And so when I went home and told my dad, I'm not going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be an actor. <laughs> Once we got his heart started again, it was everything totally fine. Yeah, sure, they yeah. are the most and best supportive parents in the entire universe. Like, I'm sorry if you, any of you out there are a parent or have parents mine or better Uh, Uh, and so they're fantastic and uh so then literally my senior year of college i kind of put that myself to this test of if i don't get the lead in the musical i'm not meant to do this for a living because that's the right way to go about choosing your career you want to hinge everything i did and then i decided okay i've gotten a lot of training in acting and singing and dance and I have I don't know how to write a resume or go to an audition oh. so I applied for uh, and got into AMDA the American Musical and Dramatic Academy oh, yes. and they were like hey here's money and I'm like I'll go to your school because uh-huh. I'm like I, st- I already have four years of college to you know pay for if you would like to give me money I will happily and it was great I had a terrific time I learned so much at AMDA it was great fantastic it was uh-huh. a great experience for me that's awesome yep. and so then decided oh oh so then um my childhood dream childhood dream was to sing in the american adventure at disney okay and that was my first job ever here wow. was singing voices in, of liberty no american no i wish i can't sing like that's not what i do yeah. I, I admire the heck out of them they're unbelievably talented but I don't it's know a how very it. specialized style of singing so, that only certain yeah. in, insanely talented people absolutely can do. Yes. but that was when american vibe was uh, uh at epcot and so i got to i got to do that and meet some amazingly fabulous wonderful terrific people and that was my very first job and so i thought i'll come down i'll do this for a year and i'm going back to new york and so I, many so many people do that right and then i just never left and yeah. you're like oh oh Oh, well, here I am now. I have a house and cats and a husband and a car. I have a Prius. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we have Pri-I. We have Pri-I. We, have Pri-I. we both drive Pri-I. We do. I and love I love it. my car. I, I do love too. God, I love my car so much. I know. It's weird. It's weird I, to love a car this much. Uh, so, yes. How many cabarets have you done? I think I have written 10. I think that I'm on either number 10 or number 11 
Wow. I'm not 100%. I can't remember now exactly. Yeah, because um, I'm painting you into this musical theater corner, but uh, often hand in hand with that, yeah, yeah. particularly for those who are really strong singers, the, the cabarets come a calling. I have a tendency to do cabaret shows where I cannot possibly get through the breadth of music for the people that I've chosen. Like the first one I did was Noel and Cole, two of the most prolific wordy people of the 20th century why go narrow when you could go as broad as humanly possible and then the second to last one i did was julie and mary and ethel and babs so julie andrews ethel merman mary martin and barbara streisand yeah no real discography there not a a big song no No, and then the last one i wrote i call it shakespeare but it's actually called uh the bard takes broadway and it's all songs that um were are inspired by shakespeare oh. uh which is a huge amount a lot of it terrible but then <laughs> for the end i decided um instead of just closing with something easy i wrote a 15 minute um a 15 minute romeo and juliet oh. so it uses all of the songs from west side story but all of the in-between patter is from romeo and juliet Oh. Because apparently I like to try to kill myself. Oh, apparently? Yeah. Holy shit. That's the whole, that's, that's apparently my game plan because rehearsing it nearly killed me. Yeah. And I have to say, when I did my cabarets, yes, there yes. was something about you that I remembered that resonated. The persona I needed to put on <gasps> Yes. was I am playing myself on my best day. On my best day. And yep. I forgot till just now. It's the best way to describe it, right? It is. That is. It just is the if best you way are, to describe if you are, it. Yeah, because honestly, just, just us isn't quite enough. They, you well, do need to layer a little something extra. You are asking people to pay for it. Yeah. So just us is, you know, going out to lunch. But like, if you're going to ask people to come pay for it, it should be you on your best day. Yeah. Well. Where were we? Where were we? Uh, Laura. Oh, commercial break, I think. Commercial break, yes. And before we end the commercial break, name a commercial that pops into your brain if you think of something from the... Um, I, my favorite song from, from that TV theme song show was definitely not from the right area. But you know, see the USA in your Chevrolet. America is asking you to call. No? That's my favorite keep TV Keep going, she- keep going. Uh... Something, uh, see the USA in your Chevrolet. America's the greatest land of all. On a highway or a road along a levee. Performance is neater. Nothing's completer. Life is completer in a Chevy. So make a date today to see the USA and see it in your Chevrolet. Something like that. Wow. <laughs> it's my favorite. It's my favorite. Our studio audience is on their feet. <laughs> yes. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, no additional charge for That's a private right. serenade from the one and only Laura Hodos. I think the only other one that comes to my head is um, uh, Pretty Sneaky Sis, the Connect Four commercial. Connect Four. That's like the other thing that kind of, because my, my siblings and I, we all say that uh, to each other all the time. Pretty Sneaky Sis. Yes. I remember that. That was from like the late 70s. The is it? I, just, I can't remember when it was. I but... will totally post those on the yes. website. I'll find your Chevrolet Pretty ad too. Pretty sneaky, sis. Yes. Well, I am so, I'm so happy you came <gasps> to do the show. I'm so happy we had the time to do it because you are a it. very busy and in-demand woman. Listen. And... Anywhere the check clears. <laughs> exactly. In this case, the Coma Brownies. <gasps> so worth it. Mm. And pizza. Did we had a discussion about pizza. We did because pizza is our desert island food. And for, for how much we love our baking and our cookies and our sugar and mm. our chocolate and our double stuff Oreos, <gasps> yes. pizza is still kind of the, the shizzle. Yeah, it really, it really is. is. 
Although you put pineapple on yours, so I'm not sure if our friendship has been terminated or not. Oh, are you a non-pineapple person? That does not belong on pizza. <gasps> that does not. But the you, g- yeah. you may have to leave my house now. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the best part is you did not make me eat. No. You're, uh, although, here's the problem. You also put bacon on that pizza. So I wanted it. <laughs> But I'm like, not with pineapple. And you can't just pick off pineapple. I created the Hodos paradox. Like, what have you done? There's pizza. It's like, ew, there's pineapple bacon. But there's bacon. I know it's weird for as much as I love bacon, I prefer pepperoni on pizza. Oh, yeah. Okay, no, you're you're entitled to that. So Mm. pizza is uh, pizza is wonderful. Oh, so not as wonderful as spending life. No, spending an afternoon with Laura Hodos. Yay. Oh, all the happy birds are chirping. (laughs) So let's get back to it then. As we come back from our commercial break. Yeah. Uh, We are backstage at the theater that we didn't know existed until this moment. (laughs) They have everything except a library at this school. I swear they had like the Phantom of the Opera candles (laughs) under the trap doors in the stage. Right? Chandeliers falling. Everything. (laughs) Everything. So we are backstage. We are backstage. Joe is assisting with the props. Um, Mrs. Garrett comes in again with a pad of paper and like a to-do list, like she is in some type of a supervisory position. <laughs> right. She is ASMing the heck out of this production of South Pacific uh, and apparently ignoring every dietitian need that she's supposed to be. <laughs> it's like, you got doing. girls to feed, bitch. Right. And and you've got your planes to fly and you're still a registered nurse, according to the sex ed episode. So come and, on now. And we know that you go back to the Drummonds on the weekends and- But apparently we're adding their... production manager to your <laughs> list of duties. Exactly. It's like, what? What the fuck is this? So she's like, um, she's getting after Joe about how are the coconuts coming? And they do right, come into right. play later. And Joe is, uh, says it takes time to empty, to, to get, so yes. she's cutting open coconuts and taking out the meat from them. Because there was no Amazon Prime back then. <laughs> I want to say, and I don't know how I know this, I feel like, I feel like you bake a coconut and then the, it, the meat separates from the skin. Like, I feel like. I feel like you, that's true. I, and I don't know why. I've had it. Somebody at work at my old job brought it in. And yeah, it wasn't pleasant to eat. That's and, why God invented sweetened coconut. Cause, uh, thank you. Because we are loved. The, the flaky, pre-sweetened. Mm, so delicious. Hallelujah. Not everybody are. You see, you've just we've just won ourselves back our friendship. Oh, thank heavens. We're, uh, after this pineapple thing, I wasn't sure we could yeah, make it. because there are some people who are anti-coconut and I cannot get. I, I can't get behind those I, people. No. No. I, no. So no. we're. Other than, wait. Maybe I can get behind those people because more coconut for us. They'll never steal our coconut. True that. Mm. Then she says, oh, and Joe, when you lower the moon, do it slower for the next rehearsal. It looked like when worlds collide. (laughs) So you're like, whoa, time out. (laughs) So Joe is like, what, running the spotlight or... She's pulling. She's running the, the flies. Running the flies is the what fly it system, is. The fly system, uh huh. <clears throat> the fly system, and but Mrs. Garrett is again. She like she's ASMing or SM. It's more right. like she's SMing, right? And she's but she's kind of like SMing, ASMing, and production managing. She's doing all of it because she was also remember running the auditions. Yeah, she's in kind of in charge of everything. But apparently, also this school, which now has a theater, also has a full fly system. Oh. <laughs> Little did we know. <laughs> Don't you have to have union people do that in the state of New York? <laughs> I thought you did, but maybe not in peak skill. Yeah. Uh, who knows? I just realized we're being we're being terribly niche in theater here. Oh, well. SM means stage manager. ASM means assistant stage manager. And uh, what PM. Was PM is production manager. Right. The production manager is the person that oversees 
the nuts and bolts. And coordinates all activities so that things happen at the right time, deadlines are met, budgets are kept, yeah, that kind of thing. Exactly. So there you go. Yet another... Added bonus. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, so... Um, so Mrs. Garrett's role, in addition to all of her other careers, <laughs> it's it's just it blowing my mind. And then we have Blair and her scenery. She is she is killing some some painted flats there. So while Blair is in the process of painting and Joe is in the process of propping, they expositionally say, "Wow, isn't it crazy how Tootie and Natalie have been sniping at each other these last few weeks? Wow, it's amazing." And we do have the lovely joke where they turn and say, Mrs. Garrett, do you know how hard it is living with two people who are constantly sniping at each other? And she, this is where writing for character is successful. Yes. And Mrs. Garrett says, oh, I have some idea. Um, and and was, Joe's like, yeah, but we actually hate each other. Yeah, she's true. She says, it goes, they're best friends. And they say, Mrs. Garrett, we're... We think it's time you stick your nose in. Which I love. I love that phrase. That I, phraseology is so good. It's yeah. time for you to stick your nose in. And Mrs. Garrett says, nope, they got to work it out on their own. And and I'm a little fucking busy because I'm right. the production manager of the and theater. And the stage manager and yeah. the ASM and the dietitian and, and uh, all of the things. Yeah, and, and therefore craft services by, right. by oh, extension. We didn't even think about that, but that <laughs> makes sense when we see the... Um, the orange juice buffet that they have later on. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> She's yes. also craft services. She's craft services. That's so funny. So true. So Natalie comes in all mopey. Yeah. Hi. Very Eeyore of her. Yeah. And they're like, get over yourself. She says, it's okay for me to help out here. Mm. And they're like, oh, good. Maybe she's kind of getting her happy back. And then she looks over and now from the wings, she sees Tootie is on stage. Uh, Miss Downs is rehearsing her. And what's her name is at the piano? Uh, Ethel. Bre- uh, Brenda. 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 And, never see your face, Brenda. And she is singing some Enchanted Evening. Which I don't remember Nellie Forbush singing in this show. Am I crazy? Um, no, you're not crazy. Okay. I'm like, why is she pract- Why is she rehearsing that? Uh, because it's a sing, song from the show. But she doesn't sing it in the show. I'm not crazy. No, you're not crazy. Tootie never sings. Uh, like, sorry, Nelly, Nelly never sings the, 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 the actual yeah. No. The actual hook. She does That's not. so funny. Yeah. And even if they didn't change and made it to duet, where is Emil? Where is the boy? Why is she? Right? She's singing in a vacuum. Even though Miss Downs is like, give me pain, give me suffering, give well, me she sorrow, says, give because me... Because your, your man is missing in action. You don't know whether he's alive or dead. There is a point where he does, they yes. ask him to come out of retirement and do some type of a thing. Black that does, ops. His safety is jeopardized. Yep. And there is a point where, and I think that is kind of what puts her over the edge mm-hmm. and makes her think, this is fucking crazy. I love this guy. Yes. And I want to be with him. Yes. But If um, he lives. Yeah. But that is so not the time when she <laughs> sings some enchanted <laughs> evening. And it's it's a love song. It's a beautiful love song. And she's singing it over. And over. And she sings and it over, over and over. And, and over. now we begin the vaudevillian Natalie being the obstructionist friend disrupting rehearsal. So she starts to sing the song with full introduction. Natalie takes Blair's hibiscus bush, flowerless, um, just like my favorite chocolate cake, as um, everything comes back to cake. It really does. And shouldn't it? It's birthday months. It's, it's birthday months. Yep. That's right. So she brings over 
um, and plops down the bush right in front of Tootie. So funny. Funny. Okay. Then it's like, would you please move the damn bush? Okay. Oops. Sorry. Didn't know I it was didn't there. see you there. <laughs> <laughs> so then do it again. Plays the intro. Some enchanted <laughs> evening when you find, no, when you meet your true love. And Natalie goes, I, I miss It's fine. She got the lyric wrong. It's like, thank you. Shut up. And she says, okay, remember, I want to see the pain and anguish. <laughs> it's like, this is not a pain and anguish song. <laughs> not at all. Not a pain and anguish song at all. And then some, and full intro of the song. Some enchanted. Natalie's like, I'm not hearing the pain and the anguish. And finally they're like, <laughs> and finally she says, like, literally, what could have been the, the single sentence that synopsizes the entire show? Mm. Natalie, get off the stage. <laughs> I think that's what the episode, I think I should have, I would have titled it that actually. Natalie, get off the stage. Natalie, get off the stage. Because <laughs> you are being such a selfish, self-centered bitch in this episode. Right? Not a good Natalie episode. Um, then she says, okay, do it again. And the Brenda. Brenda. Dun, da, da. And finally, Miss <laughs> Miss Downs, very fun, says, oh, knock it off. <laughs> and it's finally, it's like, stop playing that annoying fucking intro over and over. Just start at the beginning. <laughs> And all you see are poor Brenda's shoulders shaking because you still don't get to see her face. <laughs> Doesn't even get a reaction. Nothing. Doesn't even get the reaction. Um, then as she starts, ugh, then this is the last time she starts to sing it. And as she sings it, coconuts start rolling from off stage past her. And she starts hopping around like they are On flaming fire. balls of lava. <laughs> and like she is standing in a trench through which she is not able to step forward or backward to get out of the way. Or, I don't know, they're not coming at her with the velocity of, I don't know, a burning lump yeah. of space rock. She could just let them roll around yeah. and just keep singing. And they're singing. coconuts. They could, roll all, they could roll across her foot. Wouldn't hurt you. Not so much. Not, not steamrollers. No. So, finally, they stop rehearsal. And Miss Downs has had enough, and she's gone. And we technically don't see her again. She's, she's like, no, I'm, she's gone, I'm gone. leaving this episode. Fuck yeah. y'all. Right, um, right. I'm paraphrasing. Um, so, um, uh, so Tootie comes over and says, Natalie, would you stop trying to sabotage? And Natalie's like, what? Me? So then Tootie and Natalie get into it, where mm. Tootie calls Natalie a sore loser. Um, while they're doing it, they keep getting near the tree, and Blair is doing a very funny <laughs> physical bit of moving the tree away from them where they're fighting. And then they move... And then Blair has to sneak over and grab the tree. Sidebar, actually met Lisa Welshel once. I know. I was saving that for you. I was saving it for you. You buried the lead on me. I did not. But your your reaction is everything I ever wanted. (laughs) And more. How did you meet her? She came backstage at the Magic Kingdom once. And she wanted to see the show we were doing. And uh, Yep. Yep. But of oh. course, because it's, you know, Disney, you can't ask for a photo. And oh, of course no- not. Nothing is sadder to me than that. What year was this? This ha- It has to be at least five years ago, and it might be more. Seven years ago? Uh-huh. I think. She's a, she's like an Annette Funicello. She was on yep. the Mickey Mouse Club. So yep. she's like, I want shit backstage. I fucking get to. Right. Good for her. Definitely some funny physical comedy from yes. Lisa Welchel, who can do no wrong in my book, as Agreed. we know. Agreed. I can't believe you met her. I met her. Oh, my God. Um... So uh, the altercation uh, it escalates. Yes, it to is the point that ugliness. It, it's 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 like they're about to 
start almost fisticuffs. Almost yeah, fisticuffs. Almost fisticuffs. <laughs> For those of you living <laughs> living in 1904, <laughs> then you know what fisticuffs means. For those of you living exactly. in living in 2019, that's a fist fight. Yes, exactly. Um, so uh, yeah, and at one point, the payoff of the uh, of the Blair uh, moving the palm tree Mm-mm. thing around is that. Uh, Natalie does pick it up and is like, she's going to throw that shit at Tootie. It's yeah. Like, she, bitch is going to throw down. Literally. <laughs> Literally. Thankfully, Joe she's comes She's going to get a different kind of palm. Uh, what? Hi-oh. Palm to the face. <laughs> and Joe comes and takes it away from her and is like, yeah. hey, hey, knock this off. Stop this. And at this point, Mrs. Garrett comes in. Well, clearly it's time to stick my nose in. And then... um. Tootie has to go back and rehearse. Yeah, which I thought was kind of weird. I'm like, no, no, don't you think this is a little more important yeah, than the like, rehearsal? Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, you're going to have to take another five because I got some stuff to deal yeah, with up in here. Yeah, and I'm running everything right right now. Um, so, uh, hmm. so then her tactic with dealing one-on-one with Natalie is odd. Mm-hmm. She says, Natalie... Just look at yourself. What do you see? And Natalie is like, I see someone who has been wronged. I see someone who should be out there doing it. I see a friend who's been betrayed. I'm completely paraphrasing. And Mrs. Garrett's like, look deeper. That's Mrs. Garrett all over. Yeah. She's like, have you looked at yourself? I can't do it. But <laughs> Oh, that was your Mrs. Garrett? I did my best. I it sounded it. much more like Catherine Hepburn. It did. That's, but... you're, you're not the first. You're not the first. That's that's happened. Um so it's just a weird, and I, I'm not sure, uh, I don't know what I wanted instead, but it seemed awfully superficial. Trite, superficial, not particularly helpful. Uh, I mean, maybe. Granted, um, school psychologist is not on her list of jobs, n- or, and yet she seems to play it in every episode. I was weird, say, or right? is it? Or is or it? Is it? Hmm. What? The secret life of Edna Garrett. Uh, yeah. Mrs. Garrett is busy, so she has to leave again. Right. And then Joe comes up. I remember what? And do, you, do you remember what Joe says? She said something about, uh, I think you're jealous. And there's a reason they call it the green-eyed monster. And yep. I can't remember exactly, but. Yep. And then the duck dropped down from the <laughs> ceiling with the sign because they. Because that was the word. Yeah, the secret <laughs> void. Um, Natalie says, oh, I'm not yeah. jealous. I'm wounded. I'm Yes. Hurting. And Joe says. Well, Which I you- think are words that I've actually come out of my mouth Uh Really? <laughs> when I oh, I think so. I think when I've been jealous, I think I've actually said that I'm not jealous. I'm wounded, I'm or wounded. something to that effect, because <laughs> it makes it seem so much more palatable. Oh wow! I have low self-esteem, so I've never been jealous of anybody. Ever. <laughs> um, Joe says, "Be honest about why you are hurting," and somehow Natalie twists it to, um, "Maybe I shouldn't be hurting so much. Maybe I need to think more in terms of revenge." revenge. Bum, bum, bum. And Joe's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, I'm still the editor of the school paper. I'm going to write the review of this show. What the, it's right there in front of my eye. Why have I been moping around when the solution to this is right in front of me? When I write in the paper that this production and her performance is disastrous, is the word that I've written down. So how could you, Natalie? And yeah, journalistic integrity. Honestly. Terrible. And that's the end of the scene. We go there, so it's like, oh, shit. So we're, we're approaching the end of this episode. We're getting close to the end, and we're, we're still, shit is still blown apart and not coming together. Mm-hmm. So then we're in the cafeteria. 
And <laughs> they're waiting for the school newspaper to come out. By the way, we missed opening night. I'm very sad about that. Like, we got to see nothing. Yeah. I'm like, what? Okay, what? fine. Were there any boys? Were the girls dressed as sailors? Nothing. Did, we got none of it. Did people mistake the hibiscus bush for Brussels sprouts? <laughs> <laughs> There's so many questions left to be answered. Yeah. Um, so they're sitting at the table. Mrs. Garrett is sitting at the table with a student we have never seen before. Yeah. I'm like, she's got to be a producer's daughter. Right. Or somebody's friend or a sister of one of the girls. Mm -hmm. And it looks like she's, she's got like a needlepoint ring. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it's needlepoint. It might be cross stitch. Oh, yeah. It looked more like fabric than a needlepoint. Because needlepoint's like a plastic grid kind of a thing, isn't it? Uh, not always, uh -huh. I think. But I'm not 100% sure on that. For some I am not reason, crafty. Um, you're not crafty? No, no, no. No, no. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> not at all. But the, but you're bakey, and that's all I that am matters. Bakey. You're bakey. Mm. Um, so whatever it is, she's helping like you do. I'm a I'm a teenager. I'm, Maybe I'm, she's also the crafts teacher, Mrs. Garrett. <laughs> like that could like just oh, add to economics. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? So um, there's this um, tootie going. Where's the newspaper? I want to read the review, and someone says. Oh, Tootie, weren't the eight curtain calls enough for you? Yeah, Joe says, because Joe's trying to like distract. Like, you yeah. don't need to see the review. The yeah. eight and curtain calls you, you told you everything you needed to know. Yeah, yeah. No, never mind. You, you got to go off to class now. Uh, the paper's got to be late because Joe is like... You should go to the library. Yeah. <gasps> I don't know what Joe thinks she's put... Joe is a, so pragmatic and such a realist usually. It's kind of like... what? Why is, is she the one trying to save her feelings from this? When, when it's an inevitability, she yeah. will find yeah. out what's published. So, um... I would love to see the high school production of any show <laughs> that earned eight, eight curtain, curtain calls. calls. <laughs> amazing. That would be amazing. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. And I mean, curtain calls, that, that just doesn't happen. No. You know, for, for those who are not educated in the theater, a curtain call means literally the audience is calling for you. To come back and take another bow because they are so completely entranced by your performance and want you to know how much they fucking loved you. And typically when you're put on a show, you stage the curtain call. You tell people where to stand to take their bow and you tell it, okay, everyone take a bow. Some of the leads might step out and take an individual bow. You may indicate the tech crew up in the booth. You may indicate the band in the pit gesture to them then take another group company bow and then and that's it get out you lower the curtain and the audience is like good we're done great show yeah well great done. job my favorite it's my most favorite thing i've ever seen but i've got to go home now right right i'm double parked <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm paying for parking <laughs> the babysitter needs to go home <laughs> yes but to think um no that performance of wicked <laughs> was so good, we as collectively as an audience are going to scream and cheer so loudly that they have to raise that curtain again so that they can take another bow so we can show them how much we love that. I think that. the only time I might have ever heard of that happening is like someone's last night. Yeah. Then I then yes. But eight times, nay nay shanay nay. <laughs> no. <laughs> nay nay shanay nay. That makes me happy. But now I have new goals. Eight yep. curtain calls. Eight curtain calls. You and I both. <laughs> I will have to pay people <laughs> to be in that I'm, audience. I'm doing a show at the Villages right now. 
And Eight curtain calls. I'm, that's my goal now. Tomorrow night we go back into show and we don't even have a curtain. And I'm going to make that that's shit happen. Right. That's right. <laughs> so then Nancy, her exit line as she <laughs> exits not only the cafeteria, but the series. Oh, bless her Nancy heart. Nancy says, well, we can't wait any longer. I've got to get to class. So they've been waiting at the cafeteria for the newspaper. Which didn't we all do in high school? Yeah, who didn't? Yeah. Um, and then that's when the girl who is sitting at the table with Mrs. Garrett doing their cross-stitch needlepoint, whatever it is, says, oh, I'll walk with you. Thanks for your help, Mrs. Garrett. And puts her needlepoint, you were saying, in a very cute tote. Her cute little tote holly hobby-ish bag. With like, yeah, figurine on it. Yeah, yeah. Little, I, I would say a little young. I would oh, say like a yeah. 12-year-old would carry that bag, not a 17-year-old. Well, I'm thinking that she probably made it. Like if she's into... Oh, she's crafty. She's cra- I'm not crafty. No. She's crafty. You're, cra- <laughs> you're bakey. I'm that's, bakey, That's not much crafty. more important. <laughs> right. So then Natalie comes in finally with the paper, throws it down, and um, I think before this, Joe does say, give some warning to Tootie, like, Tootie, you want to go to class. Yeah. You don't want to read a review because it's going to be an obituary. And Mrs. Garrett's like, what? <laughs> and so then Natalie comes in with the papers and she tries to throw them down and run out. And Mrs. Garrett's like, no, Natalie, stay. Because she's a, a policewoman now, as mm-hmm. you were saying. Um, and she starts reading it and they start reading it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it's positive. It's good. And they It says continue, all nice things. It says all nice things. What's happening? And then... Blair comes in. What is Blair wearing, Laura? Is she wearing <gasps> dun 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 blue blazer? Blue blazer Blair. Dun, 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 blue blazer Blair. So um, the elusive yeah. blue blazer. The the elusive. Yep, Blair's blue blazer. Blair's blue um, blazer. So in comes Blair, and she starts reading it too, and they're all like, "What's happening?" So then, um. Natalie finally fesses up. Natalie fesses up. She didn't write the review. And she, she wrote the review, but yeah, she didn't didn't, she didn't run it. Couldn't couldn't run it. And she didn't see the show. And wow. Bad. That's bad best friend material. Yeah. So 2D says, Are you still mad at me? And Natalie says, No. Nah. They were open auditions, and the only thing you did wrong was to be better than me questionable Mm. as we said earlier Mm -hmm. and then she says um um i'm working on it i'm not there yet kind of a thing and then uh she holds out her hand still friends how do you how do you hold out your hand if you were going to hold out your hand to shake my hand okay your fingers are together yeah your thumb is up because you would kind of fit it in there yeah she holds up her hand like friends. She's got her fingers spread apart. Which is bizarre. Did, did you notice this? No one does that. So Natalie's like still friends. Yeah, she, like she was giving her limp, limp fish. Yeah. Kitchen. yeah. Like, it was like, and so then they hug. So all is good and they're back together and they're friends again. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a very satisfying resolution. Yeah. And then <laughs> to give the final comedic punch, Mrs. Garrett says... Well then, Natalie, if you didn't write the review, who did? <laughs> and then Blair starts reading the rest of the review out loud. They had already been reading it out loud with all the positive words. And then Blair goes, special note should be given to the extraordinary set design and beautiful, subtle paintwork 
given to all of the sets. The exquisite palm trees, (laughs) the gorgeous hibiscus bushes, the non-Brussels sprout appearing (laughs) vegetation. And something about the bananas. Yeah, the bananas and the birds. She had painted a bird and bananas. That was a joke (laughs) and stuff. So it is very apparent that Blair is the one who wrote the review and is basically taking up the latter third, uh, latter two thirds of it. With singing praise for her own sets and her own painting work. Very on brand for Blair. Perfect. Perfect. Right in line. Unlike most of Natalie this whole episode. The, The thing about comedy, about writing is when a person does something bad or or worse, like tries to play a trick on somebody without them knowing Mm -hmm, about it, mm -hmm. the the thing that has to happen is they have to get their comeuppance. It has to blow up in their face. Mm -hmm. It's like if you put a plant on a high shelf that you expect to land on somebody's head, it's not enough for it to miss them. It has to land on your head and injure you. Right. That's that's the Wile E. Coyote rule of (laughs) writing comedy that I just invented. I like it. So what this episode is missing... Uh, other than consistency of character for Natalie, is, and I mean, say, tell me if you uh, agree or disagree with me here, is that I think Natalie's jealousy did not blow up in her face enough. I don't think she got uh, an adequate comeuppance other than she acted like a spoiled little bitch and then decided, mm-hmm. eh, well, I guess maybe I was a little bit of a spoiled bitch. I And partly I think the only thing that I can say is that What I think she said was, they wouldn't run it. Oh. So. You're right. That might be, but like that's not really blowing up in her face. You didn't make a big enough deal about it. So that's kind of the only. And that, you know what? And you just, you just hit upon how it could have been fixed. Oh. We're going to get into our time machine and go back and talk to the writers. I'm very excited. Um, What it is, is that she should have said they wouldn't run it. Yeah. And that's when I suddenly had a realization. They wouldn't run it because they knew I didn't see the play. And they knew I was wrong and they knew. And and they said it, this was compromising my journalistic integrity. Right. And that's when I realized, you know what? I can be jealous of 2D. I can be mad I didn't get the lead in the play. But this took me, this is how far to the edge it took me that mm-hmm. I was going to do something that was unethical mm-hmm. yes in the field of uh work and career that i plan to pursue for my life mm-hmm. i would have been i would have done this took me to the point i was so blind with jealousy and so out of my own self that this was going to this almost i almost drove myself to do this thing which would have been a point of no return mm-hmm that would even if she just spoke that without right. having seen it right if she said that was the point that was my aha moment and then have her turn and say and then i realized i also am losing my best friend what am i crazy i don't have a career and i'm about to do something that could ruin my career and my friendship i have nothing that was what my jealousy drove me to how stupid was that that would have been great right they don't you think yeah they didn't, and they didn't pick that out. No. Makes you wonder what ended up on the cutting room floor a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, what was missing? What did the, what did the first rough draft of this look yeah. like? Yeah. And, um, 
But uh, yeah, so that is uh, how I, I like to fix the episodes with my guests. I like that. And um, another way to fix this episode for it would be for it to not happen at all. I mean, always a choice. And not have... Okay, I, I take it back. That little fix that I just did, mm-hmm. plus we needed to know why it was so important. Why was it so important to her? This and is... Yeah, I don't... What could have what could have made being the lead in the play so important? They did say something in the beginning about... Like what... Uh, they said something in the beginning about... Natalie's mom pushing her to do this. So maybe if they had played that up a little bit more, like my mom wants this for me, but, and they did say the thing about, well, I'm, I'm testing the fates and because I didn't say that I wanted it, now the fates will allow me to have it, but it doesn't, doesn't really follow. Yeah. And her relationship with her mother is not that. It's not such a deep thing. they, They portray her as kind of a typical nagging Jewish mother. Yeah. And um, this doesn't fix it. But the only mm-hmm. thing I could think of is the thing of, I I want the lead in the show in 2D. This is my first chance where I even had a chance. Mm-hmm. Because everything else I've done has been supporting you as my friend who wants to be an actress. Right. I want to do this because I just want to have fun and experience this. Right. And never do it again. This is my only shot. Maybe that was... Maybe that that's was missing. Where, yeah. Where it needed to be is the 2D. This is the one time you said you weren't going to do it. And I thought I could have a I could have a go and have the fun of it. And maybe not that I want to be a star, but maybe soak in some of the adoration. Honestly, for how boy crazy Natalie is, mm-hmm. it would have been great if there were some, some, some Bates boys involved that she wanted to date. Right. That right. would have been on brand for Natalie. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um. I, I don't know. That would have made it um, like not not necessarily more compelling, but more logical. Yeah, those are the to me the two missing pieces, and those are pretty big pieces. Yeah, you kind of based an entire episode around something that doesn't really make sense. Yeah, facts of life, people. Yeah, in case you're listening, in the FOLCU. Yeah, yeah. Well, Laura, thank you so much for doing this. <gasps> Yay! I'm so happy. I think we need to eat something sugary and maybe bake a D. What? I have a I have a sweet something that maybe let's let's leave this episode with an air of mystery that I have a sweet something that we may or something to share. Yes. (laughs) Yes. All right. So I will say goodbye to you and thank you and please come back soon. Yay! Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to come back. And there you have it. That was Laura Hodos. <sighs> Still some extra afterthoughts I have to add on here, even though it's already a long show. Um, you heard me say earlier that my worst fear is that the blue blazer is everywhere and that there never existed a maroon blazer. Um, I think that worst fear is coming true, people. Not only in looking back and skimming just about every episode that preceded this one, did I not discover a single maroon blazer. I also found many, many appearances of Blair's blue blazer. In fact, I think the blue blazer is the only blazer that exists, and Blair is the only one who is ever seen wearing it or anything like it. Everybody else is always in the maroon vests or in the blue cardigans. So, 
that's really, really upsetting <laughs> that for how much I obsess over the stupid, stupid little shit throughout this show that I could miss something that big. But there it is. Now, another thing is you know how deeply, deeply committed I am to education and to educating you, my faithful listeners. And, and also, you know, I desperately have worries that I might offend somebody. So, last week, as Trinell and I learned about how to express the term for Aboriginal people, as uh, discussing the Indigenous peoples of Australia, this week you heard that Laura and I were talking about Down Syndrome. Well, I did look it up, and uh, the National Down Syndrome Society uh, does have a website. I will post the link. And the preferred spelling is Down Syndrome, singular, not Downs with an apostrophe S. And the other thing is it does say, while Down Syndrome is listed in many dictionaries with both popular spellings, with and without apostrophes, yada, yada, yada. So it is absolutely 100% out there expressed as Downs Syndrome. And like I said, I'm pretty sure that on Life Goes On, the Patti LuPone show in the 90s that had um, the uh, character where her son had Down Syndrome, I know... I am, I am so certain that they often referred to it as Downs, abbreviatedly, just calling it Downs. Um, I, I want to say that I remember that very, very clearly, similarly to the way I remember never having seen a fucking blue blazer on Blair that made at least a half a dozen appearances previously in the show. So take my word for what it's worth. We know <laughs> it ain't worth a lot right now. So next week, I'm going to be watching Season 3, Episode 13, The Americanization of Miko. And I'm going to have another special guest. And that's all for right now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Our website is facethefactspod.com. You have to drop the let's. And that's where you can find extra pictures, video, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Follow the show on social media. We're everywhere under the handle Face the Facts Pod. And don't forget, go to your favorite podcatchers and subscribe, rate, and review. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.